Welcome to another episode of the Wolverine Digest Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Brown, and as always, I am joined by Chris Breiler. Today, we are going to break down the spring game position group by position group. We're going to take a look at you know, what Michigan's got coming up in 2021. We're also going to talk about Jim Harbaugh and his job status as we put a bow on spring football and just uh, you know, just try to get through this thing because that's, that's what we're doing right now. Now that spring football is officially done, we are going to be scrounging for things to talk about and trying to keep you entertained and hopefully bringing you the best podcast in the Michigan market. So all along... I thought we were in lockstep, and then you say in your article today that Michigan is going to be better next year, just going to be better. I threw you a curveball. (laughs) I've been known to do that. I just did. uh, (laughs) All right. I mean, lay it on me. Convince me. All right. I must be wrong. So there's a couple things going on here. I think the fact that we saw him trotting out onto the field the other day, you know, full uniform, spring game. It's got me a little, you know, the juices are flowing now, you know, <laughs> is that what it so is? that's, that, that's part of it. But the other part of it was, I mean, dude, I, so I went through obviously and looked at the schedule again, cause I went through game by game and sort of predicted what I thought the outcome was going to be, which I think we will and, do like officially on Wednesday, like so right. not, not quite okay. every single game today, but I mean, like it'll come up a little bit more talking about it. Yeah. So. so, so obviously that's what I did. I went through and I just, the games that I picked them to win, I can't see, I mean, I can see a scenario that they lose, right? So I don't want to say that. But to me, the games that I picked them to win, they are decently the better team on the field. They've got the better roster. And there's a couple reasons why I think it's going to be a better. So actually, I knew you were going to ask me this question right off the bat. I actually have my little (laughs) notes here. (laughs) If you want me to go through it. So here's why I say nine wins, right? Because that was sort of what I think the mark is going to be. Um, in the six years that Harbaugh has been there, he's only had, what is it, it, it four seasons? He's had four seasons of nine wins or more, um, including three 10-win seasons. He's got the one nine-win season in 2019. He's got the one eight-win season in 2017. And then obviously he shit the bed in uh, 2020. But I think, you know, I'm looking at the 2020 season. There were a lot of other circumstances that were going on there. I'm, I'm kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt there because generally speaking, he's been at least north of, you know, eight wins or more. Um, there's specific areas that I think they've improved in. I think the defense now, now, this is all speculative, right? Because we haven't really seen much, but I think the defense is going to be better simply because Don Brown is not there. They've got a younger guy calling the shots. It's a different defense there. And, you know, it's expected to be multiple. And I, I feel like if things aren't going well, I, I have a sense that they will be more willing to adjust and try different things. And we didn't see that under Don Brown. So I think even though we've lost guys like Quiddy pay, we get back Aiden Hutchinson who will be healthy. You've got young guys that were new to the defense last year. That'll have a little more experience this time around. I, I would imagine you know, with a defensive unit that was in the bottom half of college football in nearly every statistical category, I would expect the defense to rebound in 2021. I don't know that they're going to be top 10, but I think if they if they are a top 20, top 30 defense, I, I think that's good enough to get them to nine wins. Um, the quarterback room. I think the quarterback room is better 
in 2021 than it was in 2020. And particularly, you look at Bowman and McNamara in 2021 versus McNamara, who had no experience, and Joe Milton, who had no experience in 2020. So I think you're going to have two guys that have a little more experience, especially with Bowman, with as much as he got out at Texas Tech. I think the quarterback room is going to be better this year around. Running back room, same deal, man. I think with Mike Hart calling the shots, I think that there's going to be more of an emphasis. And, and I think Gaddis actually alluded to it the other day, how important getting a rhythm was uh, with the running back room. And so I think you're going to see Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum carry, carry the load there. But I still think that room is stronger in 2021 than it was in 2020 when you add in Edwards and you lose a guy like Evans and Charbonnet. I, I think they've gotten stronger. Um, and then lastly, the wide receivers. I don't think they've gotten better, but I don't think they've gotten worse. I think A.J. Henning, his emergence will cancel out the loss of Giles Jackson. And then you've got guys like Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson that I think are going to improve. And you've still got Ronnie Bell, the veteran there. And you've got Mike Sammer still who, you know, we would expect or we would hope that he would. I think you mentioned this in one of the podcasts we did uh, the other day that he will finally live up to you know, what everybody sort of expected from him when he got here. So those are the reasons why I think nine wins is attainable. I know that there's still some question marks here, but I just, I got to believe this team is going to get better. I can't see a scenario where it's six or seven wins. I don't, I, I, I don't hate anything you said. I really don't. I don't hate anything you said. I just find myself thinking too many changes all at once that that's just kind of where I find myself in terms of, you know, the six new assistant coaches, a few of them doing a job for the first time, still a lot of question marks along the offensive line, which to me is probably the most important position group on the field at any given time, except for quarterback, which, and there's a question mark there. I mean, I don't, we don't know what Cade McNamara exactly is. If he's the starter for a whole season, we don't know what Alan Bowman is at Michigan. Yeah. He did some pretty nice things at Texas tech, but he's also been hurt. He wasn't, he wasn't a world beater. He's pretty good. He put up some really nice numbers as a true freshman. He's started eight, 16 or 18 games. I mean, that's, that's worth something. It is. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. And I, th- I think if I was betting on it, I would, I would pe- pick him to be the starter. Uh, he's, I think he's, we're in, we're in agreement there. He's not even on campus yet, but I still think that it just kind of, it just lends itself to that a little bit. We don't know how much difference the off, different the offense is going to be with Sharon Moore as a co-offensive coordinator. I, I wouldn't guess much, but there's a wrinkle there that's new to everybody in the room, even Cade, who was there last year. So, you know, man, I don't, I don't hate ever, I don't hate anything you said. I just, I'd, like I said, I think it's too many moving parts, too many changes and too many question marks all at once for them all to work out. Well, I think some will, sure. I think some won't. And I think at the end of the day, it, the, it's just not based on how bad it looked last year. I just can't imagine it taking yeah. a, a big jump. Maybe it's a little bit better than last year, but I still think that's a pretty big maybe. And I think a lot of people are just like are hoping at this point. Like when I look at what they did, when I look at what Jim Harbaugh did hiring, when I look at where guys are on the depth chart, who's coming back, who's going to be stepping into a new role, just all, all things considered. I just, I don't know if I can really pinpoint any one area that's a definite improvement. There's, there's a lot of areas where like it might be better, but like it could just sure. as easily be worse. Mike McDonald, yeah. I, I love the idea of giving young up-and-coming coaches that have kind of made a name for themselves for one reason or another, giving them a shot. Like I, I love that. But Harbaugh is doing that with four or five different guys all at once this year. Sure. And yeah. To me, that's, that's, a, that's alarming. I mean, maybe he hits on 
seventy percent of them, maybe, but maybe he misses on eighty percent of them. I don't, we don't know, and we won't know until until week two, really. I mean, I you know, Western Michigan's not exactly a pushover, but Michigan. No, I mean Michigan should win that game every single time they play, no matter what. So it's going to be really interesting to see what it looks like in the fall. Obviously, we didn't get to see the spring games, and if we did, they wouldn't have shown very much. So everybody's going to be wondering until September rolls around. But I, like I said, I've said this before. I think the only place that I'm a hundred percent convinced is going to be better is the running back rotation, preparation, usage, whatever. Cause when you look at what Mike Hart did at Indiana, he used one guy that was clearly better than everybody else. And he right. wrote him. And that's, that's how that position needs to be used. In my opinion, there's, there's spot chances for other guys to get in and you give guys a blow here or there. If somebody's got, case of the fumbles the one game then he sits down for a little bit but for the most part you want one guy to to kind of be your bell cow I, I don't think that has changed and I think it was you know Gaddis said something like somebody asked him about the running back rotation he said you know if we had, if we had just stuck with one guy everybody would have been mad about not playing the other right. guy. dude yeah wrong if Hassan Haskins right. plays more than everybody else and runs for a thousand yards and scores 10 touchdowns Nobody's going to say like, well, why didn't you sit him down sometimes though and bring someone else in? Like nobody's right. going to say that. And yeah. I, you know, I reference myself as a coach sometimes, which is going to get laughed at by most people because it was at a very low level, but anybody who's played sports or been around sports at any level knows that it's not very hard to figure out who's better than who it's really not sure. like I know at Michigan, everybody's really damn good, but those coaches have been around that level of football for a long time. Like when you stack up your three or four running backs, one guy's the best one. There right. might ha- there might be some guys who do something a little bit better than some of the others, but you've got one guy that in crunch time, like that's our guy. And so whoever that guy is, that's your starter and you play him. Yeah. So, well, I think, I think the running back position is similar to the quarterback position in the sense that it's a rhythm position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like you wouldn't want to do with a quarterback. I mean, I know some teams attempt to do that. I've never really seen it super successful but you know you want to have one guy out on the field that gets in the flow of the game develops that rhythm and I think that's going to be a big plus with Mike Hart because he's played that position Mm -hmm. at a high level he understands that Um, so at the very least I would expect you know if if they're just using a primary back you know with with the second guy getting a decent amount of rep like two two guys leading the charge will be a drastic improvement from what they were doing in 2020. And that's normal that, I mean, you, I say one bell cow back, but you've, you've got to have a backup. I mean, a running back is a tough position. It it gets beat up arguably more than any other position on the field. So you got to have a guy who can come in and spell that starter. But, but I, I I wish I had the, I wish I had the numbers pulled up right in front of me, but cause I ran some of the ones over the last couple of years and the percentages of the, of the lead back for each school in the big 10 and Michigan was way down at the bottom for how, how spread out the carries were almost every program Big 10, you know, Clemson, Alabama, other programs that are successful at running the ball. They've got one guy who gets like 60 to 70% of the carries. And then the rest are scattered, you know, through quarterback runs or a backup running back or whatever else. So I, you know, it's, and my- it's interesting. I, I wrote an article not too long ago. Um, and this is kind of like an obscure stat, but maybe not really given what we're talking about that Michigan is the only program within the big 10 that hasn't had a running back crack that you know the respective schools top 10 all-time rushing list Mm -hmm. so you go through every other team in the big 10 and they've had a guy over the last decade who's at least 
finished within the top 10 all time in rushing yards and career rushing yards. Michigan hasn't had that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what, and it's the same thing as when we were talking about, you know, the transfer numbers, like when you have something like that occurring, when Michigan is the only school in the big 10, not to do that over the last decade, I think that says something. Yeah. And let's not forget what kind of cloth Mike Hart is cut from. He, I mean, the game is different. Don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not played the way it was in 2004, 2005 when he was toting the rock, but that dude carried the ball 24 times a game for his four year career. So like he knows what it's all about to be a lead back and to get into a rhythm and to get that lather going into, and to really settle into what you're doing on offense. And again, yes, pass pro factors in and holding on to the ball and being a receiver out of the backfield is more important now than it was during his day. But he, he gets, he gets what that takes. And and not only does he get it, he showed that he gets it because of how he coached the backs at Indiana. They had, they all every year he was there. They had one guy who carried the ball way, way more than everybody else. So it's, it is going to be interesting, man. I mean, I, so I was, you know, going back and forth with the person on Twitter today, actually pretty calmly for once. It wasn't, it wasn't very, it wasn't very heated, like, or, or aggressive, like it can be sometimes. You didn't start talking about his mom? No, I didn't go that route. I didn't have to do that yet. But he said, I think he said nine wins, which is kind of the number that you've tossed out a little bit today. So if I gave you that over under eight and a half wins, you would take the over. I would, well, you're putting up money let me, on let me, now, Mr. I was going to say, let me, let me preface that by saying I'm not, you know, this is, there's no money on the table, right? If I'm putting money on the table, I'm taking the under simply because the other, the other part of my brain expects disappointment and yeah. subpar performance, you know? So I think that there's, you know, with guys like us and with the fan base, there's always that element given the way things have been for so long that you just expect them to shit the bed. But when you look at it and you try to be as objective as you possibly can based on who's on the roster, the experience that's there, even the new coaches who are there are not. And I've, I've said this before, they're not new to the game of football. Like they've been doing this for a long time. And so my expectation is high for this program because I think they're capable of getting at least nine wins, you know, Granted, I still don't think they beat Ohio State. So even at nine wins, I don't think people are going to be happy. Um, but that's, yeah, I mean, I, 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 we'll go through the schedule on Wednesday, like you said. But when you go through that game by game, it's really hard to find realistically more than three or four losses there. Okay. We will if do they're that. doing what they should do. We will do that. We will do that. And look, without getting too in, into the details, again, it comes back to, for me, every single season that I've been a Michigan football fan and that I filed it. And now that I've been covering it as part of my job, I, I look at the schedule and I say, I, you know, I usually have three groups. It's like a definite wins, you know, kind of 50, 50 toss up Michigan could or should win that game. But Hey, if they lo- they lose, it's not like, you know, the end of the world and then probable or definite losses. And when I look at next year's schedule, I have like two or three guaranteed wins. That's it because of what it looked like last year. And until I see that the trajectory and the trend has swung back and is going a different direction, I, I I just don't know how you can rationally look at it and say like, Oh, they're going to kill Rutgers. Are they, they, it went to triple overtime last year. Like, do you remember that? So that's, you know, that's where I'm at. And yes, it's at home this year and the fans are probably going to be back in the stands and that does change some things a little bit. But anyway, we will dive into that much more 
uh, in a much more detailed look at it on Wednesday. We've been talking about doing that and it still is really far out. Obviously spring ball just wrapped. It's like middle of April and we're going to start talking about wins and losses on the schedule when the potential presumed quarterbacks, not even on the, on campus yet. So that's pretty cool. We'll see how that looks, <laughs> but some guys are on campus, dude, and they played on Saturday and it was awesome. You know, we were both there. Was, no, no, we weren't because we're nobody is allowed. And we just saw 10 second snippets on Twitter of a guy's butt pad. And we didn't really get to see anything of what was going on. Now we did have some people that were there that relayed the information to us, but like you have to take, and I, I, I fully trust the people we talked to, but they're not watching every single thing. They're, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they're not taking like detailed notes. They're not analyzing video clips or look, it's just like, they're there watching it. They come back an hour later and they tell us a little bit about what they saw, but then there's reports from other places too. And you see the players talking about it a little bit here and there on social media. We did get, you know, final score. The, uh, Cade McNamara led blue team beat the JJ McCarthy led maze team. 22 to something. I think I saw 22, seven, 10, 10? 14 across. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, again, we weren't there. I don't know for sure, but we'll go with, you know, three scores to two scores basically is kind of how it looked or three scores to a score and a half. If it really was 10 or how, however it worked, Cade's team beat JJ's team. And based on kind of the layout of the roster, a lot of people kind of expected the blue team to win, but um, I, I guess we'll, we'll kind of go position group by position group and talk about what we heard and what we think kind of went on again. We're not there. It's a little hard to do this, but it's like, it just ended and there was quite a bit of buzz that came out of it. The uniforms look pretty sweet. We'll get to that as well. Um, but quarterbacks apparently were both like decent and both did a couple nice things with Cade kind of edging JJ out. And that kind of goes along with what you and I have been hearing all spring. Right. Yeah. Kind of leading the pack there. So are you, I mean, are you surprised? I'm really not surprised by that. It's, it's a lot to ask a true freshman to come in. He's supposed to be getting ready for like prom right now or whatever. Right. And instead he's, he's running a team down the field. So I, I'm not super surprised by that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised by it either. I, you know, Kate obviously got, some good experience last year, even though it was cut short due to injury. But, you know, I think once Joe Milton entered the transfer portal and they probably knew that that was something that was coming, you know, a decent amount of time before it actually happened. I think he's been in the mindset for a while now that he's going to be the guy. And whenever you get that in your head, you know, you sort of perform a little bit differently. You, you, you get a little more swagger on the field. You take control of the huddle a little bit better. And so I think that right now, you know, he's playing like a guy who's just been doing it longer than J.J. McCarthy. And I think you'll probably see a dose of that when Bowman gets on campus because Bowman's got more experience. And I think he's going to come into this quarterback battle fully expecting to win the job. You know, I don't think he's coming here not, you know, thinking like, hey, I'll play back up to Cade. He's coming here because he thinks he has an opportunity. And that's when the battle's really going to get interesting is come fall camp. Yeah. Graduate transfer quarterbacks don't come to a new school to hold the clipboard. That's not, that's exactly. not how it works. Yeah. And he sees an opportunity here where there's not a, there's not a surefire starter. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he, and, and all these guys, I mean, that's another thing. I see this get thrown around a lot and I just don't completely buy into it. When guys transfer, they're like, Oh, he couldn't hack it. He didn't, he, I don't, I don't believe that. Like all these dudes are playing high level division one football. They're competitive right. by nature it just doesn't always work out for everybody. And I, and Bowman is a perfect example of that um, new system, new coach. And a, a guy that if I'm, if I'm getting this incorrect, it's 
I haven't looked super deep into it, but the new coach at Texas Tech got a transfer from his previous quarterback, and that kind of just pushed Bowman out of the starting spot okay. after he was dealing with some injuries and things like that. So anyway, long story short, I fully expect him to come in thinking he is the guy. I don't. I, I think yeah. he's going to come in thinking like, all right, I'm. I've started more games than all these guys combined. I've thrown the ball around more than anybody. I'm gonna. I'm gonna win this job. And so, dude threw for he had that game as his freshman year where he threw for over 600 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, and did it against you know Houston isn't a scrub of a team, right? And I mean, and you know, you have a lot of people that say, well, you know, the Big 12 isn't the Big 10, but yeah. I don't know, man. There's a lot of guys that that played in the Big 12. Patrick Mahomes being one of them. That's doing pretty good at big boy football. Yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily know how true that is. I don't hold the Big 12 against him, but. It does bring up an interesting point, and I wanted to ask you this because I was thinking about it a little bit now that I know that you and I are kind of in the same camp thinking that he's going to be the guy come fall. You know, we talk a lot about the culture at Michigan. And, you know, here you have a guy in King McNamara who committed to Michigan. He's been at Michigan. It's kind of like, you know, he stuck it out. He feels like his time is coming. And even if Bowman is – I don't want to say the clear cut favorite, but if he's playing better in fall camp, is there a risk to going with Bowman when, you know, there's such an importance on culture? I mean, what do you think that does to the locker room? I guess, so, do, you, do you see that, that being a risky proposition for Harbaugh? So that there's like a chance that McNamara might transfer or something? Well, not that he'll like, transfer. But, so like but, but every single that... other quarterback that Harbaugh's brought in? <laughs> oh, weird. That's weird, man. What a weird concept. I just um, wonder if if it throws, you know, how the locker room receives something like that when these guys have been grinding, you know, all spring, they're going to be going all summer, and then you've got a guy like Bowman that comes in, and, you know, everybody's been talking about the juice and kind of the, the, the feel that's going on on campus, and I just wonder if, you know, you heard a little bit of that with Shea Patterson, that Patterson wasn't putting in the work that the other guys were putting in. And I don't know, you know, how much truth there is to that. And I'm not saying it's going to be the same situation with Bowman. I just wonder if if he ultimately decides to go with Bowman, does it throw a wrench into sort of the continuity that they've been building over the last, you know, however many months? I talked to Jim Mora Jr. about that exact topic I, I can't remember which time I think I've talked to him three times now. So one of those times where we got on a zoom and talked about it, he mentioned exactly that. Yeah. You can run the risk of kind of a gun for hire is what he referred to the court, the, especially at quarterback, the transfer quarterback and, and, and yeah. And throwing a, throwing a wrench into all the chemistry that's there with, you know, the receivers who have come up with Cade and the skill players in that room and the quarter, you know, the linemen who have buddied up with them maybe and, you know, would stick their neck out to block for their guy. Not that they would, you know, I don't think it happens in the movies where like, I'm letting this DN go in there. To, <laughs> you know, this isn't remember the right. Titans, but I'm just saying like, I do think that there's some truth to, I mean, they, they're like brothers, man. They, they've come up together, yeah. you know, spent three and four years together with some of these guys and you really build a very close bond. And all of a sudden you've got this guy who in Bowman's case, he's coming in in like June, like that's yeah. real close to when fall camp starts and then it's, it's game time. So you know, I don't know. I don't know how much of that goes on. And that's, that's a good question for coach Morrow who has run a program before and for guys who have done it and seen it firsthand, but it's, I mean, it's human nature. I just think it, there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no way that that doesn't ever happen. I just wonder how often it does happen. So I think it's a good question. It's a legitimate concern, but at the end of the day, 
you hope that as most of these guys are getting up there in their second or third year at Michigan and m- most of them have aspirations to play in the NFL that they just look at it like, bro, I just want to win. I, I like, I just, yeah. I'm sick of two and four. I'm sick of getting beat down by Ohio state. I want to play for something legit. I want to, I want to be talked about in a different light on, on, you know, on Sunday afternoons and Monday morning. And, and that should be a big enough driving factor, but right. You know, at the end of the day, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. I know I was quite a dunce cap at 20, you know, so same, you know, know, everybody. (laughs) Right. But it's interesting. That is an interesting dynamic to think about. Um, And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be something we're not going to know anything about probably until late August or mid to late August when camp starts and we start hearing from the coaches and players again. So quarterback question mark, there's some talent there. You made an interesting point when you said though, like the room of the room of Bowman, McNamara, McCarthy feels better than Milton, McNamara, Valari. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's an improvement. It is. Even though it's a lot of it is still unproven. If you put those two groups on a table and said, pick, you know, who you rolling with, I'm I'm picking the group that we have in 2021 for sure. Yeah. Down. Yeah. You know, I can't. I, I, it's, it's still a question mark, but it's, but on paper, it's better. I don't, you can't really argue yeah. it with. The, well, that group in 2020 would also be a question mark. Even if, even if we had the same yeah. guys coming back in 2020, we wouldn't know what the hell to expect from them. Yeah, no, there's no question about it, but Bowman's, you know, double digit starts. And I mean, dude, that game that you outlined when he was a true freshman, no quarterback Crazy. at Michigan has ever done anything like that ever in the no. history of the program. Well, he still holds the Big Twelve record. I mean, no freshman has ever done that in yeah. the Big Twelve. And if you look at his, I think I put together his career numbers. You know, he's or his single season numbers his freshman year. He's already in the Michigan record books. You know, yeah. he's top ten all time for like a single season. So the the kid can definitely play. You know, I don't care what conferences it, it's in. He's done it in division one football. He can play, he can ball out. And if he gets in a rhythm, if he gets hot. I mean, he's shown he can put up the numbers and we talk about the 600 plus yard game. There were plenty of like 400 plus games yeah. sprinkled in there. You know, those were like the, it, after looking at the 600 plus game, I didn't, I wasn't even tracking the 400 yard games, but there's a lot of those in there as well. Um, you know, with him, obviously the injuries are going to be a concern. He had that throughout his entire career at Texas tech, but injuries are going to be a concern with uh, McNamara as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. it didn't I mean, take long for him to, uh, for his season to come to an end and different kind of play at Texas tech. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's going to throw that, that, you know, that angle out the window, but still he, he can spin it and he he's done it, which is, yeah more than McNamara and McCarthy can say, honestly. I mean, right. so that's that's something that I think is very valuable for Bowman coming in. Running backs, we heard, were pretty much just solid. I didn't hear anything yeah. from the spring game about, like, oh, so-and-so ripped off an 80-yarder, but speed and quickness from Corum, a nice little burst and some versatility from uh, from true freshman Donovan Edwards. Kind of, you know, what you see is what you get with Haskins. He's not going to run any run away from anybody, but he's, he's going to break tackles. He's going to get the hard yards. He's going to take care of the ball. And then even even a couple nice things on Tavier Dunlap, the other true freshman that's kind of forgotten yeah. behind Donovan Edwards. So I don't know. I don't really want to spend a ton of time on them because there wasn't much that stood out from what I heard. And again, without seeing it firsthand, I feel like I'm doing a little bit of a disservice taking a deep dive into something that I didn't really hear that much about. So wide receivers, though, heard some mixed reactions, heard some. OK, Cade hit a couple guys deep down the field. I think Cornelius Johnson once and. Maybe Andrew Anthony heard his name come up a couple of times. 
as, you know, number one is going to be a stud or number one really looked apart for a true freshman, which that's really cool to hear. East Lansing product, Michigan State fans were saying like, ah, he wasn't really that good. And now it sounds like he's having a good spring. So that's that's good to hear. But I still heard they just weren't running open that often. That was kind of the main thing I took away from that whole unit. And that's what we've seen. You know, I, I, I just every week I'd watch Michigan. And then of course, afterwards, a bunch of other games would come on and I would watch and I'd be like, what, what sport is Michigan playing? Like their offense doesn't look anything like what I see every week from other teams. And that's a blanket statement. I mean, that you can go back and watch Michigan highlights from last year and there's some guys open and there's some, some nice throws made by McCaffrey and I'm sorry, by Milton and McNamara, but overall I heard that the receivers didn't really look that open and that there was some trouble with separation a little bit again, not with my own eyeballs, but that's what I was told by someone who was there. Are you worried again about the lack well, of production in that position? It would, it would be more of the same, you know, so I can't really say that sounds crazy. And, and again, we, we didn't see it firsthand. So we're just judging on what we heard, but um, hopefully that's something that they can get worked out. You know, hopefully it's a combination of a couple of things. One, it's spring ball and it's early and it's their first sort of like, you know, live game action, you know, or as close as you're going to get to it. Also real quick, um, before you go any further, worth noting that these lineups were hodgepodge, right? There, it wasn't like correct. a starting unit versus a start. It was like backups mixed in with starters mixed in with probably walk-ons. So that that's, that's another factor. This is not, it's not what we, what's going to be on the field together in the fall. Right. So, so that certainly plays a factor in it as well. I mean, you're not lining up, you know, behind the, if you're the quarterback, if you're Cade McNamara, that's not the offensive line you're going to have come fall. Presumably that's not the backfield you're going to have. That's not the wideout group you're going to have. And so I think that that's a part of it. I think that it's spring is a part of it. You know, if, if we have those same issues come week one, then I'll be concerned. But in the same way that I'm not going to be overly excited about the good things I heard, like for instance, you mentioned Andrew Anthony, we both heard, I think everybody heard that he sort of balled out in that game or had a really good game. I'm not going to be overly excited about news like that coming out of spring ball, but I'm also not going to be overly concerned about the fact that a lot of the receivers had, you know, seem to have issue getting separation. It's just, it's too early at this point. And without being able to see it firsthand, uh, I'm not going to read too much into it. I think your point's good though. I do. I mean, it sounds like more of the same. I mean, when you look at guys like Donovan Peoples Jones, like Nico Collins, uh, yeah. Like Tariq Black, even before, you know, injuries, you know, obviously threw a wrench into what he was doing, but and now Giles Jackson transferring because he didn't get the, you know, get enough touches or think he was used the right way. You know, Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones averaging three or less catches during their whole career. It just is like, okay, I mean, that's, that's what we get with this, with this unit. That's the kind of offense that we've seen over the last couple of years. And so I'm, I'm not really that shocked. I mean, there's some, there's a, there's some speed in that group. There's some versatility. There are, there are guys who are, you know, instant, instant offense, home run hitters, playmakers, any cliche term you want to throw out there in high school, guys like St. Ristil, Roman Wilson, AJ Henning, Giles Jackson was one of those before he left. I mean, those guys that played multiple positions and turned short catches into long touchdowns. And we just haven't seen a lot of that. I mean, you just, we just haven't. It's that's just a fact. Um, heard a little bit about Eric all catching the ball well, but didn't hear a whole lot on the tight end group. That's that's which really, is good to hear because drops became drops an were an issue for, for him. him. You, you know, but that's a you know 
that's a little bit of a thin group. When you look at Eric all Luke Schoonmacher and Matthew Hibner, that's you got three, three scholarship tight ends on the roster and, you know, we'll see how they're used. The tight end position is, can be a weapon, but again, in in the new spread offenses, it kind of depends on, on who you got there. Eric all seems to be a great fit for that kind of offense, but we'll we'll see what that looks like. Um, on the offensive line, again, I don't really know if there's much to talk about with those guys because they weren't operating as a unit. Yeah. It wasn't the starters. It wasn't even, you know, all it was just mixed up too much. I don't I didn't hear much about the offensive line. You know, I heard that the the blue team's offensive line was better. That's why McNamara had more time to throw, and that's ultimately why they won. But it was I think it was just too mixed up to to talk about. I don't know. I mean, am I Am I skipping over an important group, do you think, or is that just kind of the way it is in the spring game? No, I think that's the way it is in the spring game. Like when I was doing, um, you know, I, I was trying to think of a list of things that I was going to be keeping an eye on during the spring game or, or position groups. And you're right, like the offensive line, obviously people want to know what's going on there. But when you mix and match the rosters the way they were, you're not going to learn anything from it. And so that's kind of how I take it. Like you can you can see – some individual performances, you know, how, how guys are performing, you know, by themselves, but in terms of like what a, what a specific position group looks like, I don't think we were going to learn anything like that from the spring game. Yeah. I think offensive line is just like, it's hard to measure. It's hard to, it's hard to, uh, you know, put a quantity or anything to it, but it's when you see it, you see it when that line is gelling and there's chemistry between that group and they're making calls and they're, they're passing off stunts and they're picking up blitzes. Like it's, you can see it, you can see when it's working and you're just not going to get that in the spring game when it's, you know, the starting center, the backup left guard, the third string, right tackle, like you're just not going to see it. So I didn't hear anything about it. I don't think that's neither a bad, uh, you know, nor a, a bad or a good thing. In this setting, I just don't think it really makes that big of a difference. The same thing can kind of be said for D-line, but you do get a little bit more of an individual performance there. I think maybe the biggest news is that Aiden Hutchinson is still not quite healthy and he didn't play. He's going to be the best defensive lineman on the team. It's who plays you know, behind him or opposite him and in the middle and what's the defense look like. So I I heard that Mozzie Smith has looked better in his third year. I expect Chris Hinton to be pretty solid. Um Taylor Upshaw, I think, is probably the most likely to play opposite Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. but we'll see. I, I didn't really hear, again, on the D-line, it's not a it's not a set unit, and Aiden was out, so I didn't hear a lot there either. But I that that's a group that needs to be more productive than it's been, and I'm actually optimistic that they can be under Mike McDonald. So yeah. I don't – I mean, Mike McDonald's a young guy. He hasn't even been alive for as long as Don Brown's been coaching, but – if he doesn't, if he doesn't employ an anchor position, that's just built to eat up space and set edges and contained. I, that, I think that frees up Aiden Hutchinson to rush the passer a little bit more. And, you know, we'll kind of see what it looks like. I, I guess my, if I had one question there, it would be, do you think that group can be more productive than we've seen under Don Brown? The D line. Yeah, 100%. And the the common theme coming out, and again, it's early and the guys are going to, you know, they're going to be positive about the experience they've had so far and working with McDonald and the new defense, but they all seem to believe that they're going to quote unquote eat more uh, in 2021, which, you know, equates to being more productive, more tackles, more sacks, more, you know, more everything. And so I certainly think they can be more productive, man. There were times where, you watch this defense and it was, it was like hard to watch because 
you knew they could perform so much better, but you really felt for the corners who were constantly getting burned and there was no help coming. Like you knew with Don Brown running the show that when people were getting burned, like by the end of it, you were going to be crispy because there was no help coming. And so it wasn't going to get easier as the game went on. I think this is a defense where if they're starting to sense that they're struggling in an area, I trust that adjustments will be made and we'll see how that plays out when fall comes around. But I mean, it doesn't seem like a difficult thing to do. Like, yeah, you make adjustments. If something's not working, you adjust. So it's such a like rudimentary sort of like thing. I would have, I would accept that we can do that this time around. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting. And again, you look back at, at a guy like Rashawn Gary, who I've heard, you know, after his career at Michigan, opened up a little bit and felt like he was misused and and lied to frankly about how he would be used and he wasn't really ever turned loose. And it's crazy to think that he could go to the NFL and he's like a stand up outside linebacker basically, but he couldn't, he was never really turned loose to get after the quarterback at Michigan because again, he was playing that anchor position and there's just other, there's, there are other jobs that that guy has to do that doesn't entail just go get the quarterback. That's not what he's right. doing on every play. And to me, that is a massive waste of a guy like Rashawn Gary and maybe, maybe two years of a waste of a guy like Aiden Hutchinson. So we'll, we'll see what he looks like in, or is it three? Is he three years in? Yeah. He's three years in. He's wow. three. Yeah. This will be his yeah. fourth year, man. That's going fast. Um, so we'll see what that looks like as he comes back for a senior season. We'll go to the secondary next, come back to the linebackers. Cause that's where I want to spend the most time. I think, um, secondary I didn't hear a lot either in terms of you know way up way down it was kind of like you know what guys looked like at the end of the year last year which was much better than the beginning of the year is kind of what what they saw you know Jamon Green looked okay Vincent Gray looked okay Brad Hawkins um, but Daxon Hill I heard is on a completely new level this year I don't think that necessarily means it manifested itself in the spring game but I think everybody right. is kind of taking, at least in the secondary, everybody's taking their cues from Dax, which <laughs> that, that's got to be a good thing. Got to be a good yeah. thing. I mean, yeah, same. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like that's what we've heard during this off season so far is that Daxton Hill is, is performing at a high level. And I think if, if there's some truth to that, if there's some lakes to that, it only spells good things for the Michigan defense in terms of, you know, what they're going to be able to do in the secondary um, I didn't hear much about the corner play. And again, it's one of those things where it was sort of mixed and matched. And so yeah. you're not really sure who they're thinking of, you know, at those starting positions. Um, but yeah, might be a little bit too early to dissect it. And I think generally speaking, I, I think if I heard correctly, the defense is ahead of the offense, which you would expect at this time of the year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that looks. I mean, I, I know early on, you use the word crispy. Uh, I think probably four weeks into the Real season, crispy. Jamon Green and Vincent Gray were still <laughs> still smoldering coming into the games, but they settled in and they settled in and, and they did play yeah. better down the stretch. But it, it still just wasn't good enough, and that's why Don Brown's not there anymore. And even when they tried to change it up a little bit and go to a zone, it looked even worse because they just clearly weren't ready to do that in a game. Um, so you know that'll be another area that I'm interested to see under Mike McDonald and under, and, and under Mo Linguist, who has been praised by just about everybody who's had contact with him. I mean, he's an NFL corner coach. He knows what he's doing. Terrific recruiter by everything we've heard. It just, you know, we'll see what it looks like on the field. Last group, the linebackers, which I've been most intrigued by out of the, all of the defensive positions, because that is 
Mike McDonald's wheelhouse. He coached linebackers at for the Ravens. There is talent there, some young talent. There's some veteran leadership with Josh Ross and Mike Barrett. And I heard that that second group is really, really going to push the first group. I expect the first group to be Josh Ross, Mike Barrett, and I'm not honestly sure who the other person might be because they're changing that Viper position. Now there's you know, maybe a stand-up right. rush-end hybrid kind of guy. So I think we'll see Ross and Barrett for sure quite a bit. But, you know, I, I heard – Watch out for 10, 25, and 26. That's Anthony Solomon, Junior Colson, the true freshman, and Kalel Mullings, um, who are all highly athletic in high school. Junior Colson and Kalel Mullings actually played almost as much running back as they did linebacker in high school. Junior Colson was returning kicks last year at like yeah, yeah, 230 pounds or whatever. Yeah. And that's like Mike Barrett. I mean, he's he's playing Viper and lining up at linebacker for Michigan and then dropping Quarterback. back and returning kicks in college. Like, you just don't see that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but and it was a dual threat quarterback in high school. So I'm really intrigued by that position, by that position group, because that's Mike McDonald's wheelhouse. I expect them to be as coached up as any group on the field. And there is young talent and there is speed there because Don Brown recruited speed because he needed them to play the Viper position. So I know we've seen, we've seen William Mohan jump into the transfer portal. There may be others to follow from that, you know, that, that Viper mold, but I, I said it to you on an earlier podcast, I think where I was like, all right, William Mohan was recruited to play linebacker, was recruited to play Viper. The Viper position is not there anymore, so he leaves. But, like, you can't find a spot for a 6'2", 220-pound guy who runs, like, 4'5". I mean, I, I I get that he was, like, tailor-made for the Viper position, but fast linebackers that can run and hit can play football, can't they? I don't know. I just – I think we're, we're going to be pleasantly surprised with that group – Whereas last year, the linebackers, even Cameron McGrone, who is now going to the NFL, looked out of place quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And you wonder how much of that was just a product of the type of year it was, the mentality in the locker room, the defense overall. I mean, and that goes back to what I was saying initially, like putting a lot of faith in what the defense will become under Mike McDonald. I just think that group, that side of the ball needed this fresh start. I think they needed something different. I think they were tired of getting torched when it mattered most. And, you know, hopefully we see the fruits of that and the results of that in the fall, but yeah. Yeah. I, crossed. I, 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 I like that group. You know, I liked, I liked uh, Josh Ross as a leader of that group. Um, he's been around for a while. Yeah. I mean, he's just, you know, when I was covering him as a recruit, I remember, I don't remember who said it to me. I know it was, it was either a coach that he played for in high school or one of the people on staff at Michigan at the time who may not even be there anymore. Probably not based on how, how the shakeups went from last year to this year, but they said he's, he's a captain. He's captain material from day one. That's just the kind of kid he is. That was when he was yeah. a junior or senior in high school. And that's valuable when you're transitioning a new, a new coach, a new scheme, a new everything. He's just played a lot of football, seen a lot of football, smart dude, and he's going to lead people the right way. So even though he might not be as athletic as junior Colson or Kalel Mullings, um, you, he's invaluable personally. I think right. he's invaluable to that group real quick too. want to mention to Kai Hill green. Cause the person we talked to said 41's a beast. That dude's going to be on the field and he's, he needs to be on the field cause he makes plays. And he kind of reminds me of Josh Ross. He's probably not going to run as fast as some of those other guys, but he just kind of gets it. And we heard his name. Well, we, you weren't doing this with me last year, but his name was one that was brought up a lot by guys last year when he was a true freshman, they were just saying like, man, this kid is like, 
he's ahead of his years. He's ahead of his time. He's advanced. He gets it. He knows what he's doing. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him quite a bit again, as we kind of wait and see what the defense looks like. Is it a true three, four, or four, three, how many linebackers are going to be on the field, et cetera. So I don't know anything else from the spring game that you, you know, saw floating around again, we weren't there. We weren't there. So a lot of it was just well, kind of hearsay and talking to some people here and there to see what went down. I mean, there was a real, real juicy tidbit of information that came out that I think you were you were wanting to talk about, which was the unis, right? <laughs> yeah, so juicy. No, this is so juicy. So, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. You and I both have this artistic background, right? We, we get into stuff yeah. like this. I'm a I'm a sneakerhead. I'm a shoe guy. I like uniforms. I like I like that kind of stuff. And some people could care less. And some people are infatuated with it and the players and recruits seem to like it. And that's kind of the world I operated in before. So it is something that I paid attention to. So the all blues we, we haven't really seen before. Adidas did a rendition of it a few years back um, from the night game when, when Dennis Norfleet was dancing and, you know, in the, <laughs> I think it was Penn State, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, yeah. You know, I had like the bumblebee stripe numbers. It was just, that, that wasn't for me. That was not for yeah. me. So the, the clean crispy, all blues that I put out in a Photoshop uh, picture last year of Donovan people's Jones really blew up on Twitter. Of course, I've been joking around, like I'll take credit for the uniforms. And then <laughs> Brandon Whitaker, if anybody knows who that is out there on the Twitter world, billion bus, he does, he does recruiting Ooh. graphics for, for Syracuse. He used to make a lot of Michigan stuff. He actually put those together way before I did. And then, of course, Aaron Bills, who makes graphics <laughs> for Michigan. Wait just a minute. Did it before everybody back in, like, 2016 when the transition was happening yeah. to the Jordan uniform. So, anyway, long story short, they've been seen before but never on the field. And so I thought they looked pretty sweet. I wonder if we'll see them during the year. I hope we kind of do because I think it's a good look. And – you know, the, honestly, the all maize jerseys, I don't, I don't really love them that much. I think that's too much. I think it's too much yellow. Yeah. It's really hard on the eyes. You yeah. know, it, it worked in the, it worked in the game, you know, sort of, you yeah. know, and if you're in a color rush game, I guess it makes sense, but I feel like the all blues, you know, that could be thrown into the rotation every single year. Like it just makes sense. And I know you have a lot of traditionalists in this family yeah, yeah, yeah. when it comes to the, uh, the uniform, you know, never mind the fact that the uniform has been, tweaked and reworked several times, you know, throughout the years to where, you know, what people love now isn't what it always was, you know, it's gone through several different iterations, but um, I think you and I are in the same camp, man. I love it. I love it when they try new things. I think it keeps things interesting, you know, and I played high school sports and, you know, I can remember back then when you, and I've, I've heard athletes say it, when you look good, you feel like you play good, you know, oh, yeah. and, and there, there is something to that. And so, you know, I see nothing but good things with tweaking with the uniforms. Hopefully we get to see that all blue make an appearance for sure. Yeah. We, and I, you know, you hear people most of the time complaining the most about changing the helmets. They're like, just do, just don't touch the helmets, do whatever you want, but do not touch the helmets. Right. And I'm like, you know, they've changed the helmets too, right? Like this, a lot. <laughs> so the, the stickers <laughs> on the back have changed the, the finish is nowhere near the same as it was even a handful of years ago. It's now like a darker matte color. Yep. They changed everything that used to be white on the helmet is now that same dark Navy blue color. So they, the shape I, of the wing listen, has changed the yeah, numbers not, on the sides. I'm never going to advocate for taking the wings off of the helmet. Don't get me, don't get me wrong here. As much as I like new uniforms, that's not going anywhere. And I, I don't really right. know if you could mess with the color. You know, I've seen some inverted, you know, you make the helmet yellow with the blue wing. Eh, 
I th- yeah. I'm fine with leaving the helmets exactly how they are, but I think changing the uniforms up every once in a while is cool. And, and I know, I know for a fact that recruits like it because I used to talk to them about it all the time. When Michigan switched to Jordan, it was a massive deal. When Michigan first trotted out in the all maze uniforms against Florida, it was a really big deal. And recruits really dig that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. People need to chill out on that a little bit. I think it's cool. And most I mean, I'll tell you what, I think even though they're the arch enemy, those all blacks by Ohio state, those are probably the coldest alternates in the, you know, certainly in the big 10, if not the entire country, those are nasty. You know what? I will piggyback a little bit. I dude, as much as I think it's like bird poop in clothing form, Michigan State's colorway is, I hate it, with a passion. Those all whites that they wear are clean, clean. Yeah. With the white helmet, yeah. the white, just white top to bottom. You can't beat that. I've always been a fan of all white uniforms. Texas kills them. BYU has some really slick ones. Some other program, Texas A&M had a really slick uh, alternate white helmet a couple of years ago, probably last year. I think I, I think it's cool when you can get away with it. And as long as yeah. you don't change it too much especially with the helmet with michigan i think you can absolutely get away with it so that's probably more time than we need to talk about uniforms but uh it's my freaking podcast and i'm gonna do it if i want to so so there you go last (laughs) yeah that's what it feels like that's what it feels like every time I log into Twitter now. I swear to God, it's just like that. I just get booed out of the building. This showtime at the Apollo. I out of the Twitterverse. Get, I just get roasted off the stage. Last question, and you can answer it as succinctly or as in-depth as you want. Is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat in 2021? No. That, Do I that, need to elaborate on it? it. I, I mean, I, I said you could be no, succinct. Let, I didn't think you'd be one at one word succinct, but no, let me, ahead. uh, let me elaborate for sure. And we talked about this in the last podcast. Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't care what the result is in 2021. Um, you know, he's on the hot seat as far as the fans are concerned, but he's been on the hot seat as far as the fans are concerned. You know, he's been on the hot seat for a long time. And so, like I said, I just don't think there is any appetite within the university to get rid of him. And I don't think there's any appetite to do that among a lot of people in the fan base who will just defend him to the death, whether it's not, you know, they believe he's restored Michigan to what they've always been. Traditionally, they've excused the fact that Ohio state is just playing at another level right now that very few people can compete with, which I agree with, you know, in terms of how Ohio state's playing, I don't agree with the fact that that's an excuse not to beat them. You know, if if that's where we're at right now, then I think we're just in a different, I, I don't know what, I don't know who we are. If that's where we're at, that's the excuse that we're accepting. But dude, I see you're he, about to pull something. He's so, he's so good with the academic progress rate, though. Yeah, yeah, um, because because he's in the classroom teaching these kids. So he, you know, he's wearing a lot of hats there. But no, I I think I just I don't see him ever going anywhere unless he wants to. I wanted the longer the uni- one right there. <laughs> he's going to be around for as long as he wants to be around, and it doesn't matter if it's a six win season here or, you know, a seven win season there. I just, as long as he wants to be in Ann Arbor, he's going to be there at this point. I truly believe that because if standards mattered, if the expectation was still the expectation as it's always been at Michigan, which is win big 10 championships beat Ohio state, he would have been gone. Yeah. He would have already been gone. 
Yeah, I mean, we heard and I heard many times last year that Ward Manuel is just flat out not going to fire him. And we joked about it last podcast, you know, last episode that Ward was like, I didn't have a backup plan. Like, <laughs> cool, dude, like that's your job. But all right, whatever, that's fine. Don't, you know, don't have a backup plan then. And then if Jim does leave, then, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't really believe him, but he, that's what he said in the public forum. But uh, I asked that because a couple of days ago, I just saw it today. I posted it on our site today, kind of gave a little bit of background of what I, what I think and, and the reasons why Jim Harbaugh was mentioned by 24 seven sports as one of eight coaches who's feeling more pressure than anyone else in the 2021 season along on that list with Jim Harbaugh, Dino Babers at Syracuse, Justin Fuente at Virginia tech, Mike Leach at Mississippi state, Scott Frost at Nebraska, Clay Helton at USC, Mike Norvell from Florida State, Ed Orgeron from LSU, and, and then Jim Harbaugh makes number eight. So <laughs> that's if you could, if there was a sound playing while that article was being read, that that's it right there. <laughs> because a lot of those guys have just underperformed. Crazy to think that Ed Orgeron's there after having like the best college football season. So wild. I mean, Everybody kind of knew God in Ann Arbor, you know, like kind of had that feeling though with him, but he did what he did. I I mean, I don't know, whatever, however you want to slice that. I'd be interested to hear what some rabid LSU fans think about that. Cause I know they were pretty subpar last year, but they finished like five and five, I think after, you know, after running the table uh, in 2019. So anyway, I think, Oh man, I hate this question and I'm the one who brought it up, but I think, I think hot seat probably is like, a little bit too strong of a term. Ah, damn, dude. I don't know. They cut it. They cut his salary in half and they got rid of his buyout pretty much. And we talked about this before. The incentives to win big are much, much higher than his incentives to, you know, graduate students and whatever, you know, something he has nothing to do. I think that's so hilarious, dude. How that people bring up like those players are graduating. No, and like you said, like he's not in the classroom with them. Like, what did he buy him a notebook? Like, who cares? Like, that should be a that should be a mark for the professors not for harbaugh right and the and the kids i mean and, and the players that's 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 on them and and that's a great number it's great for them but i don't even know why that number is linked to harbaugh at all but because whatever. what else you don't want to link any of the other numbers that's that's maybe part of it that's maybe part of it so i i personally and i i think we're we're a little bit like if the spectrum is here where it's like hundred percent, he's coming back no matter what could do anything he wanted. I don't think you're there. Are you there? Are you talking just after 20, like after the 2021 season? Yes. I don't think there's a single thing that could happen that wow. will lead to him not being, I mean, short of like some sort of scandal that breaks. No, okay. Obviously. I, yeah, I'm, I'm talking know, like on field, but on field production. I don't think there is a single thing that could happen that would lead to the university of Michigan removing him. Whether or not he removes himself is a different story. Three and but nine. I no. Wow. I just can't believe no. that. I can't. Um, so we are it's a rebuild a- year. It's a rebuild year. It's a wholesale change. It's a new staff. He's trying to figure some things out. Just wait until 2022. Just you know, that just, that's where I see this thing going. Just gotta get that magical eighth year, baby. Just and then in 2022, he gets seven or eight wins. And it's like, see, we're on the right track. Oh. And then before you know it, it's 2035. And guys like you and I are like struggling with our health thinking, what the hell's going on? 
know? So you really these are. These years, these years are ticking by pretty damn quick. So you really are at that, at that end of the spectrum. So I was holding my hands oh, yeah. up. I'm like, all right, here's the spectrum over here is like, dude, he could go. Oh, and 12 and he's coming back. They love him. They love him. He's not. Yeah. And at the other end, it's like, you know, he's there. He's freaking gone. He should have been gone last year. He's gone. Like it doesn't even matter what happens. I'm obviously not there. Cause if he, if he goes out and they win double digit games and he beats Ohio state and he's playing in Indy, like, of course he's coming back. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely past the halfway point, And I think that there's a real chance he could be gone if it's like six wins or less. Well, but- let me ask you this. Cause I, I put this in my notes and I was genuine. I'm genuinely curious because people seem to be all over the board with this. How do you, for this team, given the way the schedule is, the way the roster is, and the way the coaching staff is, for you, what would define a successful 2021 season? What would the numbers have to be? How does it have to look by the time it's all said and done? For you to sit back and say, you know what, I'll take, I'll consider that a success. I mean, for it's like what we've talked about before. I don't think for me, I just don't think at a place like Michigan for a coach like Harbaugh for the, you know, the fare he received when he was hired for what he was being paid. I know it's not being paid that now. And I, I just don't understand other people are all like, who cares what he's being paid? Well, like everybody should care what he's being paid. He's being paid as much right. as Nick Saban and Dabble Sweeney. Like that doesn't, if I pay $150,000 for a car, I expect it to go a little bit faster. Than exactly. Like, court, you know? you, like you don't think he should be doing better based on what he's being compensated to do. But so at the end of the day, I just, it never really changes for me. Be competitive and beat Ohio state sometimes and be in the mix for a title. I mean, like that's what he was brought to Michigan. So so what's the number? What's the number at the end of 2021, you know, does Ohio state, I guess one question is, does Ohio state have to be, you know, if they, if they reach nine wins, but Ohio state isn't a part of it, is that a success? No, if they hit seven wins, you know, but Ohio State is one of those seven wins. Ugh. Is that a success? That that makes it a little murkier. I think I think another loss to Ohio State, which would bring him to zero and six, and I, you know, I would expect it to not be very close based on how the last two looked. That that's yeah. you're dude, you're freaking gone. Like like you got to be gone. How are you not gone? That's what I just what, I it, I just don't I just don't know how like when that's clearly one of the, one of the boxes on the contract, whether it was physically written there or not, I just don't know how you survive another year of not beating Ohio state, not playing for a big 10 title and only winning, you know, three quarters, even three quarters of your games. I mean, if you go eight and four, that's not good enough. It's just not, I mean, and I think it's going to be less than that. So, you know, we talked about good enough for guys like you and I, you talk about that, that over under number, if it's eight and a half, I I would take the under all day. I would mash the under and I would, I would hope I'm wrong, but I would not, I would expect to be very right. Yeah. And to me, that's, it'll be a bummer. If it's, it it will be a big time bummer. If it's under, for sure. I I don't know. I don't know that I'm ready for that. The worst would be another, like, you know, lose to Penn State, lose to Wisconsin, lose to Ohio State, and lose one other one. So it is eight and four, but it's not that bad. But you didn't win anything again. You still don't have anything in the trophy case. You're now 0 for the world against Ohio State. You're still, like, 500 or less against teams with a pulse. That's probably not enough to get him fired. But And a very real possibility. (laughs) It's just... 
it's just uh, that's that's where we're at, man. We'll see. We'll see when the fall rolls around. That week two game is paramount. That week two game against Washington is is such a measuring when, stick for what's going to happen. Yeah, when we were when we were talking about um, the way that I sort of saw the schedule playing out earlier, to me, that game is almost like a fork in the road. You know, <laughs> they have to because you've got you've also got to go on the road to Wisconsin before the bye week, right? So if you drop at Wisconsin, and then before that you drop Washington at home. The second half of that schedule, the second half of those six games, like I mentioned in that article, there's three games back to back to back that they lost all last year. And then that's not even factoring in Ohio State. Plus, you got to go on the road to Maryland, which Maryland, there's no, you know, we saw Maryland take Ohio State all the way to the edge. I think it was what, back in 2019? Mm -hmm. Was that the year? I mean, so they can, they can certainly have a game where they just, they play out of their minds and, you know, they'll get up for a game like Michigan. So the second half of that schedule after the bye week, they've really got to take care of business the first half because if they, you know, shit the bed that first half, that second half I feel like is going to be rough. Well, there you go. What a teaser. What a segue into next episode, the the game-by-game <laughs> breakdown of Michigan's 2021 schedule. We will do it. It's going to give me a little bit of a time, and I'm speaking for Chris as well. I'm giving him a homework assignment. We'll we'll get studied up a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit on each opponent. I mean, there's, you know, as Michigan, as Michigan fans and people who follow the team, we know a little bit of the of the other rosters. But like, you know, I couldn't tell you anything about Western Michigan or Northern Illinois at this point, and really not a whole lot about Washington. I didn't catch a ton of Pac-12 football, but I did talk to some people who run the. Uh, run the, the sports illustrated site on uh, for Washington. They were instrumental in giving us the information on Giles Jackson. So they, they certainly know the ins and outs of that program and will let us know what we need to know about that week two matchup. So make sure you're back here on Wednesday. If not already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, let us know how many times Chris said, I mean, let us know. Did I do it again this time? I don't think you did, man. I think you were, I was really good. trying to like, I was, I was locked in. I was trying Let to avoid us know it at all costs. how Chris's mic sounds. He's no longer unleashing the dragon <laughs> on an episode by episode basis. Uh, I was summoned upstairs to go tuck in my son. I can hear Chris's children, so we're both trying to just not be. That's my dog. dog. <laughs> you know, all we, hell's breaking loose. The pizza guy might be here. We really, we really run a top flight podcast here. Um, I'm talking on an Xbox headset. Chris is at least upgraded to some quality equipment, I think now, which is a, a great sign. I'm trying but, to at uh, least look the part. But uh, I think that was good stuff. And Chris, thanks for the time as always. Yeah. Wednesday, man, we're gonna go schedule by schedule or game by game on that schedule, and you're gonna show me where these nine wins are coming from. 100%. Look forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.